Welcome to week four of Hear Me. You're currently listening to part one of this week's content. On Thursday, we'll be releasing another episode, entitled Week Four, Part Two. We hope that you'll appreciate this week's Halloween content, but keep in mind, this episode may include shocking, alarming, or violent content. Previously on Hear Me. It's during the period of Alaska's homelessness that he is murdered by an unknown assailant. It happens at a gathering of Alaska's creation. Alaska organizes a party for October 3rd in celebration of his 20th birthday. By the end of the night, Alaska leaves on a stretcher with a stab wound deep in his abdomen. Our primary suspects are Boo the brother, Josephine the instigator, Jeremy the friend, Emma the loner, and finally, Bobby. Uh, Our third candidate is Jeremy Goldberg, an old friend of Alaska's, another popular type. Shortly after I contacted the parents of the suspect, Jeremy Goldberg. Apparently, Jeremy now goes by Logan, a completely different name. Now, that's mysterious. I almost wish I could go and solve that mystery. (laughs) But I digress. Welcome to Hear Me, the story of Alaska Curtis's untimely death. My name is Detective Finn Denver, and I've been commissioned to solve my first cold case homicide. You're listening to Week 4, Part 1, Yesteryear Part, the first half of the fourth episode in my weekly series. Listeners be advised that this program may contain vile or inappropriate content. It's Halloween week on Long Island. Even with a pandemic on our hands, the Halloween season is now in full swing. I can almost smell the plastic off the slip-on witch's fingers and, you know, the, the horror mascot masks. The leaves are falling orange, and the Halloween branding is in new stock. There's a certain comedy to it. Uh, the world is ending all around us. But Six Flags is still opening up for their, you know, Halloween festivities. Crowds are gathering in droves to haunted houses and ghost walks. I don't blame the crowds, of course. I blame the businesses. The people are getting some mixed signals. This week, though, I had to take a few risks in order to do my job. I donned my mask, discarded caution and headed out to the self-acclaimed time-travel museum and theme park, Yesteryear Park. Yesteryear Park is an educational theme park in Suffolk County, frequently teetering on bankruptcy, and the park survives off of its less educational Halloween events. In particular, its haunted houses, which attract impressive crowds of teens and 20-somethings to the usually deserted park. To get into the park... I had to drive through a sunny woodland landscape as my car hopped and rumbled across uneven gravel. I rode into the parking lot on a sunny Thursday. It's a broad, dusty old parking lot that greets you with a small white castle and a red sign in front, Yesteryear Park. Just as I entered, a few families with children were emerging from their SUVs and minivans to walk towards the entrance. On the line to the ticket booth, a series of photos depict the park's history. 
attractions, and events no longer available, and the origins of the park's theming. In one photo, a live horse is depicted jumping from a diving board into a pool of water, in front of a sign that reads, Long Island's only diving horse. A plaque below explains that Ruth the Diving Horse was an establishing attraction in the park and a large factor of the park's imagination and fun. What the plaque doesn't describe, though, is that the attraction was taken down in the late 90s, once the park was sued for animal abuse. Another photo shows a quote-unquote Indian powwow, a rather insensitive and wholly inaccurate imagining of indigenous American culture. In the yellowish grain of 80s photography, an ethnically ambiguous man in a feathered headdress gathers a group of children into a circle of hand-holding and teaches the children to kick their feet up in an imagined indigenous dance. Obviously, the attraction is no longer available. Although the park claims to be educational, it's safe to assume that education is only a tertiary aspect of the park's branding. The... Grody, half-broken park includes a small roller coaster, a sculpture of a giant shoe, a colorful Ferris wheel, and various disorderly decor and attractions. Many of these attractions find ways to seem historical, but some of the rides are merely hosted and attended by actors doing their best impressions of uh, Mark Twain, Abraham Lincoln, or Amelia Earhart. I wasn't here to toward the attractions, though. I came here on a mission. I came to interview one of the suspects in the murder of Alaska Curtis. As soon as the plastic wristband was attached to my wrist, I began my way through the park. The park is designated into a series of historical zones, many of which have only three attractions to their name. Towards the far end of the park, through the woods of colorful statues and child-sized coasters, I finally came upon Victoria's England. It's one of the most tolerable sections of the park decorating the barren browns of woods with antiquely styled street lamps. Darkly colored buildings in two lines form a small avenue to stroll through. That means a series of dark, foreboding rooftops with flamboyant spires and odd circular windows. I entered one building, a tour of a historically recreated slum, and I asked the tour guide where I could find a certain someone. A certain Jeremy Goldberg. The gentleman, dressed in an old cap and tattered clothing, answered me in a fake British accent. He's over the way, out at the gift shop across the street. Wait, is this serious? It's it's probably not serious. Don't worry about it. I just need to ask him a few things. Good luck with your tour. Thank you. The building across the avenue was a small, rickety gift shop with a sign reading, Warp with King Edward. When I entered the shop, the interior was rosy and wooden, with light streaming in from all sides. Every wooden surface of the room was stained a deep and warm walnut. A bookshelf was painted across one wall as decoration. Just by the door, a woman sat at the desk, pursing her lips together into a tightly creased line. She had a fountain pen in her hand, and she appeared to be writing something onto a paper. With her hair pulled back, she wore a massive hat atop her head, black and tall, vaguely floral, with strange beige ruffles. On her shoulders, she wore a coat with lace puffed and pulled into such thick and wily layers, it reminded me of wool. Excuse me, I'm uh, looking for Jeremy Goldberg. Pardon me, 
I've never heard of such a person. Please go somewhere away from me upon this day and never return to this place. Good day. What? Good day. Okay. I had a hunch about who the lady behind the desk was, but I decided it was better to confirm my suspicions before I caused any trouble. Going to the bathroom is the worst part of the Excuse day. me. I'm sorry, I'm a little busy at the moment. No, yeah, I, I just wanted to ask you, uh, is Jeremy wearing a dress currently? That's him? Oh, oh, you want to call him Dame Smith. He won't respond to any other name while he's in character. Dame Smith. Dame Smith, thank you. And he, he, he feels like, uh, like a man, right? When, when he's, he's out of the, you know, when he's not, like, he's, uh, <clears throat> he's not. That's correct, sir. All right, thank you. <laughs> Carry on, please. Dame Smith. Hmm? I'd like to ask you some questions. I'm Detective Finn Denver, and I'm investigating the murder of Alaska Curtis. A detective? Another dirty mutton shutter. What? Perhaps I did make target practice of Mr. Emerson's window upon a certain Saturday morn. In fact, I will not deny it. Take me away, you filth of the garbage and trash. I've done what I've done for the woman's vote, and I will never regret it in my entire days. <clears throat> yeah, uh, Jeremy... Can, can we, you know, talk legitimately for a moment? <laughs> uh, this is a really important issue. This is about Alaska. So if you want to exonerate yourself, I suggest you talk to me, Jeremy. I really need you to talk to me. Who is this Jeremy? I am Dane Ethel Smith, marginalized female composer who far outshined my compatriots despite my, uh... Exquisite abilities. Exquisite abilities is what I have. I am the queen of music. I am a suffragist, and I wear that term with pride. I will burn your house to the ground. Uh-huh. Yeah. Perhaps you are confusing me for a certain Logan Goldberg, who also has been seen around this establishment. Right, right. You, you also go by Logan. <laughs> Jeremy, listen. Your father told me that you would be here, and he thought you would want to cooperate with me. So... I am Dane Ethel Smith. I have no father. My father was a major war general, and he died many years ago. I listened to Boo Curtis's podcast. You claim that you have memory loss regarding recent events. Is that true? Jeremy. Dame Smith. Yes... Do you have any memory of the night Alaska was murdered? Is that a name? Alaska? What an odd name, my word. Your father seemed to want you to cooperate with me. Don't you think you should? I th I'm sure your father would be very upset if you became a prime suspect just for not answering some simple questions. <laughs> What did he say? Did he say something? Uh, hey, Ethel, it's your turn with the Victorian nap time corner. I must be going. Good day upon this day. Can I talk to you while you host the... Uh, the whatever it is, please? 
That would not be possible, sir, but I will make myself available for parlance later this evening. In the meantime, why don't you go sneak a peek at my haunted manor? It's entitled Journey from the Crypt. $20 entrance in addition to your original park admissions price. You, uh, you designed it? It's a Dane Ethel Smith original. I am ahead of my time and far exceed the expectations of a high-ranking woman in society. Good day upon this day, good sir, and goodbye. Until later upon this day. Wow. I glanced at the papers Jeremy had been writing on throughout our exchange. It was sheet music. Apparently, Dame Ethel Smith, Jeremy's character, was a real historical figure. She was a composer in the Victorian and Edwardian periods. Throughout our conversation, Jeremy had been writing sheet music in imitation of Ethel Smith. But the notes Jeremy was writing, he was writing a genuine Ethel Smith piece, one entitled Serenade in D. He had no reference papers. I hadn't seen him look anywhere but me or the paper throughout our entire conversation. He had Serenade in D's sheet music completely memorized down to the smallest detail. And he was writing it out. For fun. How long did it take him to memorize that piece so perfectly? How often did he do this? I asked other individuals at the park if they could make any sense of this. They could not. It was not connected to any event they were aware of. With a few hours to spare, I decided I would give Jeremy's haunted house a shot. I didn't expect anything in particular. I didn't even think it would be particularly formative. Little did I know how strange and disturbing it would be. Join me on Thursday as the journey continues in week four, part two. View from a coffin. Week four, part two will be released on Thursday morning, 4 a.m. EST. Stay tuned.